Okay. Okay. Okie dokie. Well, we are on week three of our three-week series on the Holy Spirit. And uh, week one, we looked at how it's not just okay to experience God. If you don't experience God, then your lack of experience is, um, flies in the face of the biblical record. All through the Bible, you find that people that knew God encountered him. It wasn't just that they believed certain things. It wasn't just that they ticked certain boxes. Yes, I believe this, I believe this, I believe this. Yes, but they encountered God. They knew him. And the promise in the gospel is that we are to be reconciled with God through a relationship with God. And let me ask you a question. What kind of a relationship can you have that does not include encounter? Imagine if I said, yeah, I'm married to, I'm married to Davina. We've been married you know, nearly 12 years now. Great. Uh, what, what have you been up to those last 12 years? Well, not much. Well, what do you mean not much? Well, I haven't seen her yet. <laughs> what? You must have spoke to her. Yeah, she doesn't speak back, though. I say things to her, but she doesn't really speak back. <laughs> What's the relationship like? Uh, well, you know, well, we're married. And you think... Human relationships are supposed to be a shadow pointing to the ultimate relationship of our relationship with God. God doesn't just want us to speak to him, he wants to speak back. Therefore, he wants us to hear him. He wants us to see him, not not physically, but with the eyes of our hearts. He wants to bring revelation of himself so that we love him. You know, did you know that you can't make yourself love God? So many people that call themselves Christians are fine to try to make themselves love God. Almost as if it's a work. It's like, if I could just love him more. The Bible says you love God because he first loved you. So how do you love God more? You experience more of his love. You experience more of his love. Otherwise, I I guarantee what will happen is you'll just become someone who's constantly trying harder and becoming more and more discouraged and more and more dry and more and more religious and more and more grumpy. Because you can't enjoy the passing pleasures of sin because you become a Christian. You turn your back on that. And you're not enjoying God. It's just, it's just this kind of bizarre existence of just, it's like a living in a vacuum. Trying your best not to do anything naughty. But not really knowing in your heart the love of God, the cry of the Spirit, Abba Father. The satisfaction of finding your pleasure and your delight in the truly delightful one. No romance. It's just become cerebral. And the relationship with God gets reduced to simply reading your Bible and working through a prayer list. Now, it's good to pray, and it's vital that you read your Bible. But the, you see, it's, the Word of God is Jesus Christ. The Bible is a testimony to Jesus. So you read the Bible to find and to see and to encounter Him. Not so that you've read your Bible. Otherwise, it's what we call bibliolatry. You start worshipping the Bible. No, you worship him. This is a testimony to him. So you find him in it. It's a relationship. It's a relationship. So week one. I'm going to do week one again if I carry on. Okay. Week two. What does the Holy Spirit come to do? Two things. Number one, he comes to put the mark, the stamp of God on us. Once you've you've encountered the Holy Spirit and he comes to indwell you, you've been sealed with the Spirit. That's the word, you've been stamped with him. You're marked. You're a marked person. 
You can never be the same again. You're not what you were. You were one thing, now you're another. You're, you're, you're born again. Um, the word's been so overused that it's lost all its power, but it means to be born again. It means you're not what you were. So your God-given personality remains the same, you look the same, but in your core, your heart has been changed, the heart of stone has been removed, the heart of flesh has been put in there, your motivations are now different, your longings and desires have changed, you used to just want to do stuff you know, that you knew was wrong, but you wanted to do it anyway, or, you know, or stuff that was just self-serving, now there's just this deeper longing, deeper than any other longing, to glorify and honour Jesus, it's not a, something that you make yourself to, it's the cry of the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of you, and the Bible says this in James chapter 4 verse 5, that God himself longs for and desires earnestly the spirit is put in us. So he puts his spirit in us and then he says, now I long for what I've put in you. And there's this passionate, jealous thing going on. So you're sealed, you're marked by God. You've got the stamp of God. And then secondly, that the Holy Spirit comes to bring assurance that you really are one of God's children. So a cry comes from your innermost part, from the spirit within you, Abba, Father. It's a cry from the heart which says Abba. It's the children's word for Father. You find it in Romans 8.15. You find it in Galatians 4. Abba, Father. So you've been sealed, you've been stamped, and you're assured that you're one of God's children, and he's going to have you forever. Week three, we're going to look at the power that the Holy Spirit brings into our lives. Power particularly to see people healed and delivered from demonic oppression, demonic affliction. This is as biblical as anything else. But because of the culture that we live in, it all gets a bit spooky, weird, exorcist, da-da-da-da-da-da, right? Listen, this is all the way through the Bible. So I'm going to give you a couple of verses in the New Testament, and then we're going to spend the whole of the morning in an Old Testament story of a healing miracle, just to show this has always been the way God works. So, a quick description of Jesus that Peter gives when he's preaching about Jesus in Acts 10. Um, You don't have to turn there. Um, My preparation style has changed slightly recently, which means things don't come up. I'm sorry. I'm working it through so I can stick to the new prep style but with things coming up, but I'm not there yet. So, um, Acts 10.38. Peter describes how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. You want a description of Jesus? In his earthly ministry, there it is. Number one, he, he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. Number two, he went about doing good, which consisted of healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Why? For God was with him. It's a circular, it's a cyclical thing. Anointed with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is God, God was with him at the end, okay? As Dan would say, it's an envelope. It's a theological term which I recently discovered from him and I'm really enjoying. Okay? So it starts with the same and ends with the same. Anointed, anointed with the Holy Spirit, God was with him. If you have the Holy Spirit living in you, God is with you. The Holy Spirit is not an it, a force. He is God. We believe in the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. God lives inside of you. God is with you. God is in you. It's glorious. But there should be, there should be powerful manifestations of that. Otherwise, you have to question, is it the same Holy Spirit that was indwelling Jesus? There's a lot to talk through there, discussion-wise. Just to, just to let you in as well. In preparation this week, I thought, what do I do? I could do two things. I could either really go through a strongly, tightly argued theology of healing, or I could just delve into a narrative, preach it, and believe that faith's going to come. I'm going to do the latter, but that's not to say I haven't thought, thought through the former. It's a little sermon that's prepared, but I'm not going to use it today. But if we do Q&A at the end, then maybe some of that stuff will come up. Okay? So, but this is the description of Jesus, and then Jesus says to his disciples, wait 
for the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, because then you will receive power from on high and you'll be my witnesses. So Jesus is saying, what I had, I want you to now have. Okay? So there's obviously a lot to think through there. But this is just the New Testament foundation so you understand. This is what was promised. Now, I know there'll be people sitting in this room that either aren't Christians or Christians from a very different tradition and you're thinking, are you serious? You know, and you could be really grappling straight away thinking, are you saying that the Christian life should be like this? Yes, I am. Um, and I think I can argue it graciously but biblically and say this is what the Bible teaches. It's not just for the flaky ones. It's not just for the crazy people, you know, who just, you know, the Bible's not enough for them. They need to just, they need to sort of shake and fall over and stuff as well. Listen, it's not about shaking and falling over, but it's about knowing the power of God in your life. Because that's God's will. That's God's, that's God's, that's what God wants for us. So what I want to do, I want to look at an Old Testament story and really just bring out some principles about miracles and healing. So 2 Kings chapter 5. If you don't know where, if you've got a Bible and you want to find it, you don't know where Kings is, it goes Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, Samuel, Samuel, Kings, Kings. Okay? So 2 Kings chapter 5. This is a great story. Everyone loves a good story. This is, this is fantastic. It's all in there. It is all in there. Naaman. Naaman healed of leprosy. Just to let you know, a bit of historical background, context for you. Um, what, at this point, um, the, the, the nation of Israel was split in two, and you've got the ten northern tribes uh, um, known as Israel, and the two southern tribes known as Judah. Um, and this is set in Israel in the north, and um, they, have, they, have, they are really in spiritual decline, and as a result are, are being oppressed by surrounding nations because they've turned their backs on the Lord and are worshipping other gods and are really getting into um, what we call syncretism. It's the joining together of the worship of the true God, the creator with other different influences of different spiritual things and bringing it together. And God says, absolutely not. He's a jealous God. He won't share his glory with any other gods. So God judges them because they're supposed to be his people. He says, you're acting like an unfaithful wife. You're being adulterous. And so he judges them. And what he does is he brings other nations against them to conquer them so that then they turn back and repent and cry out to him. He delivers them and restores true worship. That's the situation that's going on. Okay, so 2 Kings chapter 5 verse 1. The what? Oh right, sorry. Okay, verse 1. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, so he's not part of Israel, different nation, was a great man with his master and in high favour because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. So Syria is a neighbour of Israel um, and generally speaking all neighbours were enemies pretty much. Um, and so you've got this guy Naaman who's the commander of the army. He was a mighty man of valour but he was a leper. Now let's just stop there for a moment because in the Bible the term for leprosy can mean any number of skin complaints. We tend to think, you know, limbs dropping off, you know, that kind of thing. It can mean that. I don't know what the official name for that illness is called. Something, something. <laughs> That's really helpful, wasn't it? It's called something, something. I'm a really medical manager. Okay, it's got a particular name, um, but leprosy biblically can mean anything from eczema through to that. So this guy had skin trouble of some sort. The point I'm trying to make is, is it wasn't necessarily a very, very life-threatening or serious condition. It could well have been eczema, but bad. I would imagine it would have been you know, visible and, and, and bad. Because I think sometimes we think, oh, only miracles happen if you're kind of on death's door. Not necessarily. Okay. Verse 2. Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel. And she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. So she's a prisoner of war and she's working in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, would that my Lord, referring to Naaman, were with the prophet who was in Samaria. Samaria was the capital of Israel. He would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his Lord, 
Thus, so, thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. So the king of Syria said, go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So, what's happened here? The girl said, the girl noticed the skin condition and said, if only he would, you know, if only he would, if he knew the prophet in Israel, he'd cure him. On what grounds does this little girl say this? Question. On what grounds, what right has this girl to be this confident? She doesn't say he could cure him. What does she say? He would. Here's on what grounds. The prophet in Israel represented the presence of God. You wanted to hear from God, you went to the prophet. You wanted a miracle, you go to the prophet. In this uh, setting, the prophet represented God's presence. Elisha was the prophet. We'll read about him in a minute. Elisha was a type of Christ in the sense that his, his presence, who he was and what he did, pointed towards Jesus. So you see him multiplying food and other miracles that you think, oh, that reminds me of someone, it reminds me of Jesus. Because what it is, throughout history you find these different figures are raised up who were real and historical, but actually they were pointing towards the, the one who would come, the prophet, priest and king, Jesus Christ. So when Jesus came, he was obviously the real deal, the, 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 the final revelation of God. But then what did Jesus do before he went to heaven? He said to his disciples, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth, now you go. He says, I give my authority to you, you go and represent me. So, the prophet in that age represented the presence of God. The church in this age represents the presence of God. It's that big. So it's the little girl saying, oh, if I only went along to Revelation Church, they'd cure him of his leprosy. Same thing. Same thing. No difference. Why is this girl so confident? Well, the prophet represents the presence of God. Who is God? Well, let's go for a minute to Exodus 15, because it's very, very instructive. There's a little story that happens when the people of Israel are in the wilderness, and it's Exodus 15, verse 22. Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur, they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter, therefore it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statue and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. Throughout the Bible you find several names that God reveals himself as. It's always the Lord something. Yahweh, Jehovah something. Here, the Jehovah Rapha, the Lord your healer. Here we are seeing this. God is revealing himself, his very nature and his character as a healer. This is very important because biblically your name represents what you are. You didn't just name your baby, oh we call him Jack, we like the sound of that. No. Biblically you would look at what you've believed that your child is going to represent or something that happened at the point of birth and you would speak that name over them and it was a prophetic thing, you see, because names were meaningful. Names were, represented your character, your destiny. So when God says, I am the Lord, your healer, God is saying, it is my nature to heal. Now, sometimes you find through the Bible, God does bring calamity and does strike people, but it's always an act of judgment. It's always to bring people back. It's always with a hope to repentance and restoration, never out of vindictiveness or malice. God's nature and his heart is to heal, to bring restoration. And so this little girl, she knows that the prophet represents the presence of God and she knows that God is the Lord your healer. So she says, if only he would be there, then he would heal him. What, you call, what it's called is this, childlike faith. 
childlike faith. And it seems like Naaman's wife is impacted by this comment and she tells Naaman. Naaman, this great mighty man of valour, isn't impacted and he goes to the king. It's just three stages from a little girl to a king. You think, and you almost think, these guys are kind of naive. Almost. Faith. She speaks it, there's a quickening. Oh, this could really happen. So before you know it, Naaman's before the king. So, so the king says, go on then. I'll send a letter for you to the king of Israel. Now bear in mind, these countries are at war, and this little girl was carried off from Israel as a prisoner of war. So Naaman coming into Israel, this is going to cause a stir. It's like, oh boy, what's going to happen? So, verse five and a half. So he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. Why? Because if you're if you're from an idolatrous nation, your gods are always you always have to appease your gods and buy stuff from your gods. So they're going to go and buy the miracle. Very important point because it gets totally reversed at the end. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you, name of my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes, a sign of mourning and anguish, and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. The king's understanding is the king of Syria is looking for a fight. He thought, how can, I, how can I start a war but make it look like it's not my fault? Let's send Naaman with this crazy letter about healing him from leprosy. The king is distraught. How on earth am I supposed to do this? This is a very, very important point. Here's the point. Miracles are hard to do. Did you know that? This is important. Because when we talk about miracles, we're not talking about mind over matter. We're not talking about, well, just believe hard enough. Or just, you know, just pretend. Or, you know, or Whatever. Or, yeah, I know you prayed for your leg, but if you, you know, we might not be better, but just hop home, then you won't feel if it still hurts. No. A miracle is when you actually get healed. God actually does it. It's real. And the king knows this, and he looks at Naaman, looks at his skin, reads the letter, and says, what on earth am I supposed to do with this? He's distraught. And so you should be if you try and accomplish miracles in natural power. It can't be done. The very word miracle means something which works against the laws of nature. It is something entirely supernatural. If God performs a miracle, it's really done. It really happens. You haven't got to, you know, I don't know, if you pray for someone's back, then I would say, right, now do what you couldn't do before to see if you're healed. Let's not just kind of not do that in case it still hurts. And it, No, either you're healed or you're not. Let's do it. Let's just be robust about this. Either a miracle has happened or it hasn't. We believe in the God of miracles, don't we? So we pray in the name of Jesus that God will do the miracle and then we are confident and we go from there. So the king realises this can't be done and he starts to panic. Verse 8. When Elisha, the man of God, heard the king of Israel torn his clothes, he sent to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me that he may know there's a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored and you'll be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away saying, Behold, I I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farpa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all these waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Very important. Naaman's proud. He's a proud man. He expected there to be pomp and ceremony and and that was for him the big deal Elisha doesn't even come out of his home sends a messenger you think oh boy this is like embarrassing and the message is oh go and have a wash seven times in there and we've sorted 
And he's like, what? He, he, and he, he stumbles over it. And he just goes off in a complete huff. Why? Well, this isn't how miracles are supposed to happen. This is how they're supposed to happen. Do you know how miracles are supposed to happen? You don't. You might have an imagination in your mind of how they're supposed to happen, and so you think, well, that's how it should be. But do you really know? They happen how God decides they happen. And this was the way. What was happening here? God was dealing first with Naaman's pride. Let's deal with the pride, then we can get on to the miracle. I wonder which miracle's bigger, the pride or the leprosy. You know, I mean, we have these things in our hearts, don't we? These lofty things that tell us, well, if God does it like that, then fine, or I don't want that to happen, or I don't want to look funny if someone prays for me, and it's all pride, pride, pride. And God has no regard for it. I tell you, the Lord has no regard for it at all. He's not impressed with it at all. And he, he'll, he will deal with your pride. He will, <laughs> if you let him. Because this happens now. But then his servants came near and said to him, My father, is it a great word the prophet spoken to you? It is a great word the prophet spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean now? Because of the instruction that came, Naaman missed the fact there was a promise from God in there. He was so wound up about how it didn't work out, how he thought with it, how his expectations weren't met, that he didn't even hear that there was a promise there. The promise was, wash and you'll be clean. You'll get what you came for. And the servant says, this is a great word. He said, he said, you're going to be clean. So the name is like, oh yeah. So, in the, so uh, he went down, dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. So down he goes with his scaly, dried up, cracked skin. In, seven times he comes out and it's like the softest skin. You, you're like, man, I like. It's a complete miracle. It's real. It's a real miracle. Then he returned to the man of God. I like, this is beautiful. And he, he and all his company, and he came and stood before him and he said, Behold, now remember, Elisha had said, Let him come to me, then he'll know there's a prophet in Israel. What was Elisha? You think, why did Elisha say that? Why is he fussed about knowing about him? Because what does Elisha represent? The presence of God. Now listen to Naaman. Behold, I know there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Except now a present from your servant. But he said, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. Elisha's like, Nope. Nothing at all. Why? Because it's grace. It's grace. You, you, you can't bargain or barter with God or twist his arm or this or I'll do that. No, it's God. I'm just believing you're really good and you're going to do some amazing miracles because of what's in your heart. It's the goodness of God. And Elisha's like, if I take something from you, you're going to misconstrue it. I know how your mind's going to work. You're going to think, oh, somehow you contributed towards it or you had something to bring to the table or you thought you had this. Listen, you've got nothing to contribute. You might be sitting here today thinking, I've got pain in my back or I've got a bad leg and I'd love God to heal me and touch me, but oh, I haven't prayed much. Or, Listen, it's not about that. It's not about whether you're good. Whether It's about the grace of God. It's just the goodness of God. It's compassion. A lot of Jesus' miracles came out of compassion. He just saw, he saw the sickness and the devastating consequences that it caused. He just had compassion. I want to see healing. It's just the heart of God. God is good. He is so good. And so Elisha's like, no, we mustn't muddle this up. I'm not going to take anything from you whatsoever. Then Naaman said, if not, please let there be given to your servant two mules load of earth. So he wants some of Israel's soil. From now on, your servant will not offer burnt offering or sacrifice to any god but the Lord. So he's saying, in those days, they thought very territorially about their gods. So he said, if I can have some soil from Israel, take it, I'll put it on the floor, then I can kneel on that and worship the Lord of Israel. It's cute, really. But here's the point. Some people say this. A physical miracle will not make someone become a Christian. Agreed. Not necessarily. 
I've known people be around miracles and just shrug it off or explain it away. Absolutely no. It doesn't necessarily make someone a Christian, but you know what? It is one way that God uses to see people saved. One way. God will use any means he likes, but here for Naaman it was his healer, and he says, you know what? I now know this is completely different from any other thing I've worshipped. This is a completely beautiful, restoring thing. I've got nothing to deserve this, and I know this must be the true God. The witness of truth is in his heart. I just want to worship this one now. And his, his conscience has been so moved upon and changed by God. Listen to what he says. I love this. And then he says to Elisha, in this matter, may the Lord pardon me. When my master, so the king, goes into the house of Rimmon to worship there, their, their local god, leaning on my arm, and I bow myself in the house of Rimmon, when I bow myself in the house of Rimmon, the Lord pardon me. He's saying this, my master's old, and when he goes to bow down, because I'm, I'm, he's leaning on my arm, I have to bow down with him. Will God pardon me because I don't want to bow down to any other gods anymore? He's become so devoted to the Lord. His heart's been so changed. His, his conscience is now so tender. Anything that even looks like idolatry, he just says, is this okay? I, I'm not, not meaning to bow down to him. I'm just, I'm just leaning down. And, and Elisha says, go in peace. It's all right. God understands. But you see the transformation that's happened in his heart. He was uh, a man of pomp, a man of pride, and a man, a man also who carried this leprosy. He encounters God, and in this order it happens. First of all, his pride gets dealt with, then he gets healed, and then he gets saved. And he loves God, he loves the Lord, and he just wants to worship him because he's touched the goodness and the grace of God. I want to say this to you, there is no one like the Lord. Do not confuse him with anything else that is worshipped. He is God. This means that because he's the true God, he doesn't need anyone's worship. He doesn't need anyone's praise. He doesn't need anyone's anything. So you can't bring something that's going to kind of move him in any way. He is completely self-sufficient. He's completely happy in himself. He's utterly satisfied within himself. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Blessed Trinity. Blessed community. Completely happy. He didn't create the world and everything in it because he, he was sort of lacking in some way. He needed some company. He created it out of an overflow of his fullness, of his abundance. When you come to God, don't, don't come with the wrong, insulting way of thinking that somehow he's like other gods and you need to appease him and do this and then he'll love you. He loves you because he loves you because he made you because he loves you. And he's proved his love for you by giving Jesus to die on the cross for your sins when you weren't even born, okay? To deal with your sin, past, present and future, so you can be born again and now have a relationship with him. He's good. He is so, so good. And the Bible says this, that when Jesus is on the cross, it says, that, it says that he bore in his body, not just our sins, in Isaiah says, our infirmities. So even something of the curse of sickness was dealt with at the cross. Something of the curse of sickness was dealt with at the cross. So that's why as our confidence when we come to pray that Jesus Christ is victorious over sin, over sickness, over the devil, over everything going on. And we simply come and we simply pray simply in the name of Jesus. It's not a complicated thing. There's no coming out and waving hands like name of who is going to be, you know. We'll just come and uh, we'll just, I don't even know how we're going to do it yet. We'll see how God leads us. But we're just going to pray for the sick in just a moment. But I want to just end by, by looking at this one, this one person at the end. When Naaman had gone out from him a short distance, Gehazi, who was the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said to himself, See, my master spared this Naaman the Syrian in not accepting from his hand what he brought. As the Lord lives, I'll run after him and I'll get something from him. So Gehazi followed Naaman. And when Naaman saw someone running after him, he got down from the chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? And Gehazi said, All is well. Uh, my master sent me to say... Um, they've just now come to me from the hill country of Ephraim, two young men of the sons of the prophets. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of clothing. And Naaman said, be pleased to accept two talents. And he urged him and tied up two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of clothing and laid them on, on two of his servants. And they carried them before Gehazi. And when he came to the hill, he took them from the servants' hands and put them in the house and then he sent the men away. 
and they departed. He went in and stood before his master, and Elisha said to him, Where have you been, Gehazi? You don't do that. You don't. Elisha's a prophet. <laughs> you don't do this sort of stuff thinking, oh, he's a prophet, he, he sees. Uh, Gehazi said, uh, Nowhere? He said to him, Didn't my heart go with didn't, did not my heart go when the men turned from his chariot to meet you? Was it a time to accept money and garments, olive orchards and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male servants and female servants? Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and to your descendants forever. So he went out from his presence a leper like snow. Gehazi was probably, you know, Elisha took over from Elijah. Gehazi was probably going to take over from Elisha as the next prophet of God. He got seduced. His heart was hard. He wanted to see Naaman pay. Naaman would be spared. I'm going to go and get something. He was greedy. There was a greed in his heart. And as such, he despised the free grace of God. He despised it. And he totally undermined. I mean, this is terrible. He went to Naaman and said, oh, this has come. And he totally undermined what Elisha had said. So Naaman's driving off now thinking, that prophet, you know, he seemed a bit inconsistent, changed his mind. Do you know, totally, potentially could have uncut, undermined and and really undone what what the Lord had performed there. And I want to just say this to you, if there's, if there's harshness in your heart, coldness, greed, deal with it. Deal with it. Own up to it before the Lord. Repent of it and disassociate from it. Because I tell you, it grieves the heart of God. Because he's a God of free grace. He's a God of overflowing mercy. He's a God, you don't have to come and prove yourself to him. I, it breaks my heart how many supposed Christians I speak to are trapped in this mentality of, of just, it feel like, they feel like they're constantly just trying to please God and never doing enough. That's not Christianity. That's every other religion in the world. It's not Christianity. Every other religion in the world is about, if you do this, then maybe. Buddhism, fourfold path. Judaism, ten commandments. Islam, five pillars. Do this, 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 and then who knows? You may be good. Christianity is the complete opposite from that. It's been done. The message we declare is that it's been done. God met the problem in himself by sending his son. He sorted the whole thing and now welcomes you into it. (laughs) He's done it, now he invites you in. Okay? It's sorted. What do you need? Forgiveness? Yeah, sorted. Come in. Cleanse conscience? Yeah. Restoration, yeah. Adoption, yeah. Reconciliation to God, yeah. Regeneration, yeah. It's all there. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, sure. Des- new destiny in God, eternal life. It's all there. You say, I just enter into, I just walk into it. Yeah, it's been done. It's been done. It's been accomplished. Jesus done it all on the cross. He said, it's finished. He totally satisfied the righteous anger of God. It's all done. <laughs> He's victorious. He disarmed the rulers and authorities on the cross. He's beaten Satan. And the Bible promises the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Jesus says in 1 John that the Son of God appeared to destroy the works of the devil. This is the, Jesus is victorious. Amen? Amen. Amen. We're going to do five minutes Q&A on healing. And then we're going to go for it. We're going to pray for the sick. Okay, there's loads of Christians out there, so let's do it. Seb. Now, it seems that some Christians particularly have been endowed with the gift of healing, as some particularly seem to flow in prophecy, others particularly strong in generosity, others particularly strong, blah, blah, blah. Yeah? But all of us can pray for the sick in the name of Jesus and see them healed. Mark 16, Jesus says, These signs will accompany those who believe in my name. Various things, one of them, they will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So it's, it, every believer can get involved in it, but there may be some who just are particularly gifted that way. Is that Okay. Mary. How does um, faith or prayer healing 
There are no formulas. There are, sometimes God gives someone, you find, and the reason I say this is through the Bible you find every different, different stories, different things. Sometimes it's the person who needs the healing, they press through and Jesus says, your faith has healed you. I know that unbelief can definitely hinder, definitely, because you see that even in Jesus' ministry, he went somewhere and the unbelief of the place was just so evident. He says he can only do a few healings, which for us we'd be rejoicing, wouldn't we? But he says he can do many mighty works there. He was hindered by their unbelief. It felt in the spirit, and it was it, it worked as a as a as a as a wall against against the operating of God's of God's mercy. That's, that's a sobering one. Um, I think definitely there are those who, who who have a great faith. You find Danny Ages, Smith Wigglesworth, and others like that who w- w- walked in an amazing faith for healing, and, and amazing signs accompanied them wherever they went. Somewhere else in the Gospels it says, "And the presence of the Lord was there to heal." So it seemed like there, there was just an anointing. There was just a sense of God's manifest presence and the healings are just kicking off and you can't locate it to a particular person and particular faith. So I think at the, at the end of the day, you can't really pin it down to anything. So I'm not going to kind of hedge my bets on one. I think it all features in there. Um, uh, so for example, when we pray for a particular minute, I'd probably say those of you that particularly you feel like you've just got this confidence God's going to heal today, I'd love you to get involved praying because that, that's going to be helpful whatever happens. But I wouldn't want to get wound up on, oh, why didn't it happen? Your faith, my faith, da da da. Just keep pressing in. Just keep pressing in. You know, I'm sure all of us, all of us feel like the guy with the demonized boy, don't we? Who says, I do believe, help my unbelief. I think all of us feel we live in that place of God, I want to just press in for more and I don't trust you for more. So, yeah, come on. More, more harder questions than that. Controversial. Is it wrong to be disappointed when people don't get healed? No, it, well, hmm, good question. <laughs> It's right and it's wrong. It's right to be disappointed because you think, ah, oh, I, I believe it's God's will to heal. And we see in hardly any healings. And, but, but if you let that get into your spirit so that you begin to back off, you know, because if you can't handle anymore the emotional pain of not, not seeing things happen, then you just begin, you go into retreat. And that's a terrible place to be. Um, and I can witness to that. I've done that a number of times. You just think, gosh, you know, I so long to be healed and don't believe God was going to do it. And sometimes if someone doesn't, then you just think, oh, you know, oh, and, and you begin to back away. So yes and no. There's a hand over there. Mary. Yeah, very good. I think, I think I believe in placebo. I think there's an element to which, you know, some, sometimes there is truth in that. I think you'd be foolish to sort of pretend that every healing that happened was a supernatural work of God. I think, um, I think there is... Do you know, everyone know what placebo means? Everyone doesn't. Everyone doesn't. Placebo, is, they use it... To, so sometimes they give people a pill and it's got nothing in it of any value at all, but the, the person's thinking, oh, I've got this pill which is going to do this, and they take it and then they feel better. That's placebo. I think there is something in that. Um, I think God in his mercy has created us so that actually over time we do heal anyway, generally speaking, so there's something of that. However, I would say there are most definitely conditions, people that I've been around, people that I know, even myself, where you just feel like there's nothing that could have been done there. I mean, you know, you think about, so when we prayed for little baby, baby Zana with his meningitis, you know, I mean... He's not really in a place. He was like a few weeks old. He couldn't have done placebo, could he? Do you know what I mean? He was, he was a baby. We prayed and, in, and, in, and they, they, they pretty much said beforehand, yeah, it's definitely meningitis. We're just hoping it's viral and not bacterial. We prayed, not with oil, and then the results come back. There's just nothing there. You just think, well, that can't be mind over matter. That's just a miracle, you know. Um, so I think on that front, you've got to be able to, you've just got to be able to say, okay, headache, maybe. 
but maybe it was a lord, but, you know, who knows? But, you know, there's, you know, I mean, I mean I've heard stories that, were, you know, man alive, make your toes curl in terms of what, from reliable sources that I know, you know. I mean, God, God healed my back, amazingly. I mean, I was just, I was, you know, it was the whole crooked leg thing and all that, just jumbled me around for a few seconds and bang, it's like, oh, that's different. You know, I couldn't have worked that out. <laughs> And I really wanted to be healed before that. I remember lying in bed in Cornwall, Honda, going, I couldn't even get any louder than that out because I had a trapped nerve if you've ever had that. It was terrible. And I just wanted to be healed, but nothing was happening. And God touched me in a moment and bang. Natalie. How do you deal with, um, say, you're praying for healing for someone? Yeah. Right. How does that happen with um, like someone that doesn't even believe? Yeah. In Jesus, can that happen? And actually, how much that is? Um, faith is, um, yeah. Seems to me that um, people who don't believe in the Lord get healed easier. <laughs> Why? Because God often uses healing. You find it as a sign and a one. It points to Jesus, and so it, and so you find the evangelistic zeal of God kicking in. Very often with those who don't believe, or not sure where they're at, and He just does these amazing things. You know, and you think, what's that about? It's just God saying, revealing, one way of him revealing Jesus. So I just, I think, again, you know, be careful that, you, 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 that we don't limit God into certain formulas. I think you find all these things in Scripture, uh, and in the day, God is God. And, you know, so what I'm going to do in a moment is not going to be clever or sophisticated. I'm simply going to hand over <gasps> to him and say, we would just love you to do some healings now. So please, whatever you don't, don't look to me. Zalia. Alternative medicine depends which one. So I don't think they're all wrong at all. I think it depends. It depends which one. So Dan has written a how many page paper on it? Sixty page paper on it. He's written it. And we could, if you wanted to read it, it's very very helpful. He just goes through how many different ones, Dan? Ten. Goes through. So we just we just look at ten, and we really different alternative therapies, and really look at them in terms of whether they are. Um, something that would be, we would say, this is this is a biblical thing, or whether or whether it's just kind of neutral, or whether it actually is teachings and things involved. And you think actually this is actually undermining what the Bible teaches about Jesus and that sort of thing. So maybe I probably at the top, off the top of my head, because I read it about a year and a half ago. Yeah, so I probably off the top of my head couldn't give you a specific answer for a specific alternative therapy, but I'd be very happy to give you it to read. Is that okay for now? Good question. Okay, it's interesting. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. There's more on that, though. Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm f- I mean, if you guys... Yeah, I mean, this is really what we're trying to do with the booklet. We're trying to look at not so much, um, yeah, the leaves, if you like, but what's, what's, the, what's the belief system it's coming out of. So, hopefully, that will help. There were two questions over here. Is that Lucy? Did you have one of you stretching? Stretching. Okay. Sarah? Yes. <laughs> wow. That's massive. That's massive. Because, I mean, think about this quite a lot. 
because I've heard people take the mickey out of Christians that do that whole thing in our, you know, they've still got, you know, I don't know, one leg or whatever, saying I'm healed, it's grown. Do you know what I mean? And they're saying, no, I believe it, it's done. And people are looking, mocking, but actually their belief system, their theology is very consistent. It's a consistent theology. How so? Here's how so. If you believe that, that healing is in the atonement in the same way that forgiveness is, it's imagine you come to me and say, Steph, I'm feeling really guilty about this sin. I say, okay, let's pray about it. You confess it to God. Okay, you confess it. Right now you receive your forgiveness because Christ died for your sins. Okay, you receive your forgiveness. And you say, you know, I'm still feeling guilty. What would my advice be to you? It's been done. You stand on the truth. What you're feeling is not in line with the truth, so you stand on the truth. If you believe the healing is in the atonement in the same way, then it's perfectly consistent to have that same train of thought. I know, you know, whatever, your leg isn't going back here or whatever, but it's in the atonement. So, so you, you just, you know, you, you take stand on the truth. That's what, that's what you do, and then it will follow. And there are amazing stories of people that have done this and really seen amazing results. I think, where am I at on it, which is probably, I guess, probably where you're driving at, is I, I'm happy to stand before you and say that I'm convinced scripturally that what Christ did on the cross definitely has impact on the area of overcoming sickness and healing for the body. Can I say, with my hand on my heart, that I believe it's in exactly the same way as sin, I think I'm not comfortable to say completely the same way at this point. Why? Because as I read the New Testament, I see the focus is very, very much more on Christ's victory over sin and the resulting forgiveness and redemption than over sickness and healing. Um, and when I've read the books that really take a strong stand on this, I would say that they are slightly inconsistent. So they say things like, in the old, co- in the old covenant, you know, no one was ever sick, and they point to a particular voice. But then in the same old covenant books, you're finding what to do if you get leprosy. Do you know what I mean? And you just think, oh, I, you just think, I just want to press. I'm, so I'm reading, thinking, saying, God teach me on that. That's where I'm at, hand on heart. Last question, Alice. I think God hates sickness. I'm absolutely convinced that when, when, when Jesus returns, all sickness will be dealt with finally. Absolutely. God is a healer. See, the big debate is kingdom now, kingdom not yet. We live in an area of tension where Jesus has inaugurated the kingdom, and yet he will finally inaugurate it on his return. And so we live in a, a, a period of tension where the kingdom has come, but it's not yet come fully. And so the debate is around how much should we expect to see in this age. So I know God hates sickness and God wants to restore and heal absolutely and will absolutely do so finally, ultimately, at the return of Christ. But I guess more pressing for our situation is, so what can we believe for today? Here's what I, here's what I think we can believe for, just to sum it up. Number one, an ever-increasing kingdom. All right? So the kingdom was inaugurated there with Christ and it is supposed to increase continually. And so we should be seeing, I believe, more healings and breakthroughs in the early church. We're not. All right? So I think, I think we should be seeing way, way, way more than we are currently seeing. So I think we've got almost miles and miles to run into this before we start asking the question, oh, are we pushing in for too much now? Does that make sense? All right. That was the last question, sorry, Ed. We're going to need to get on with this and actually action speak louder than words. Yeah? Here's what I want us to do. Ah, Pray. Well, Lord, I've just done my best to faithfully declare your word. And uh, we just thank you that you're the healer. And we just pray now, Lord, just release, release anointing and power to heal in this place today. We just welcome you, Holy Spirit.
We just welcome you now. We just welcome you. Jehovah Rafi, the Lord our healer. Hallelujah. We thank you there's so much more to come, Lord. <laughs> we thank you there's so much more you want to do. There's so much more that you want to do, Lord God. We thank you for that. We thank you for the glory, Lord, and the wonder of receiving physical healing. We think of those whose lives are gripped by conditions and diseases and syndromes and various other things, Lord, which hold lives captive and restrict and hold people back. And we thank you, you are the liberator. You are the one who comes to set us free. You are the one who comes, Lord, to do, to, who is covenanted to do us good. And so, Lord, we just want to pray now for a release of healing all across this room. Lord, I don't know what the conditions are at the moment, but I just pray now, Lord, begin to move in power across this room and touch people's bodies. People's bodies, people's minds, people's spirits. I just simply want to ask you to just open your heart to the Lord. That's all I'm asking you to do. Just, just going to open your heart to God. Thank you, Father. Come, Holy Spirit. Descend on us in power. 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 We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, dear Jesus. We just thank you that the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We thank you, Jesus, that you, everyone who came to you for healing got it. There is no record of anyone coming to you for healing and going away unhealed. We thank you throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. We have testimony after testimony of your willingness to heal. We thank you you're the same yesterday, today and forever. And now we pray, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you come and bring in now the healing virtue and the healing power of the Lord Jesus Christ into sick bodies all across this room. Sick bodies, even sick minds. I pray that, Lord. I want to pray you would even touch people in the, in, in the mind today as well, Lord God, where there's just delusional stuff and paranoia that you'd even just bring healing there. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. If you, you need healing in your body, or you need healing in your mind, and you just really want to touch from the Lord today, I'm just going to simply ask you to just stand where you are um, and then we're going to just get about praying for people. I've got some oil here. I'm going to anoint you with oil. Biblically, that represents the Holy Spirit. I'm going to just anoint you with the oil and, and pray, pray for you in the name of Jesus. So if that's you, just, just stand where you are. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's hmm. pray more of you, Holy Spirit, just sweep through this room. We thank you, Lord, even the step of faith in standing up, you love. <laughs> Hallelujah. The Lord's just showing me, as some of you stood up, you're even feeling condemned and feeling all the negative stuff starting to fly into your head. And I feel like the Lord wants to say to you, I, I love the fact you've stood up. And sometimes um, just condemnation, self-condemnation can be a real hindrance to just receiving from the Lord. So just break those lies in the name of Jesus.
We just break those lies in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the faith to stand and to say, I want to touch from the Lord. I believe that Jesus can heal me. We thank you, God. We thank you for that. We thank you for that. We thank you for that. Okay, I would like everyone who would really love to pray for the sick today to just come and stand out here with me. Particularly want to just stand out. We're going to just... I'm going to give these guys a bit of quick instruction. Okay, we live in attention of now and not yet. So that means that very often not everyone gets healed. But God is good, and the kingdom is an ever-increasing kingdom. So we're to be in faith for healing. When you pray, speak to the condition, and tell it to leave in the name of Jesus. Don't spend hours pleading before God, you just deal with the condition. In the name of Jesus. If you ask someone their condition and it's too personal, so I don't want to tell you, that's fine. You just, you, say, you just say, whatever these conditions, I command you to leave now in the name of Jesus. You haven't got to make a big fuss. You haven't got to say a hundred times. You haven't got to shout. Okay? Just lay hands and do that. Well, I'm going to go before you all and I'm going to anoint everyone with oil that stood up for healing. Okay? And you just follow through and just pick people, pray a prayer. Then we're going to do a test. Then we're going to say, okay, who's been healed? And then we're going to give a chance of testimony. All right? So it's just simple as that. No hype, no thing. We're just going to stand on the word of the Lord. All right? Okay, let me just pray for you guys. Lord, I pray for these guys. We just pray, Lord God, that they would really enjoy themselves praying for the sick. We pray you give them childlike faith, Lord God, excitement, Lord God, that you would uh, remove any uh, fleshly intensity, Lord God. We just pray that we thank you, Lord. You're good. And you love to give good gifts to your children, Lord. And we thank you. One of them is healing. So, Lord, I want to just pray quickly for each of these who are going to pray for the sick. Lord, we just pray you would impart, Lord, just a, a real healing help on them today. Just impart it, Lord. I pray. Just impart faith, Lord God, whether they need gifts of faith or. Uh, gifts of healing, or when there's gifts of healing there, let them be just come out and bubble up from the surface. We pray in Jesus' name. Use these guys, use these guys powerfully to bring uh, restoration and life into people's bodies and minds today. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Okay, so it'd be great for you guys to work in pairs because Jesus sent his disciples out in pairs. And um, if you work in the pairs of a boy and a girl, then you can pray for either a boy or a girl. So that works well. And basically, you just pick someone, you follow through. I'm going to pray for everyone. I'm not going to spend ages on people. Simply anoint you with oil. I haven't even got any tissues. It's going to be messy. All right? I won't put loads on you. And I'm just going to pray for you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus that you would be healed. Okay? All right. So, I'm expecting a, I'm expecting a trail to start, to start behind me. What's your name? I've got your name. Michael. They'll ask your condition. Yeah, okay. We anoint you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we say, now let this oil powerfully represent the power of the Holy Spirit all over Michael's body now. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you. We just say, let this oil now represent powerfully the presence of the Holy Spirit all over Martina. We just say, Spirit of God, fall on her. Spirit of God, flow through her. We say, let healing come in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we say, now let this oil powerfully represent the presence of the Holy Spirit. We release the healing power of the Holy Spirit into your body now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. All sickness leave in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let this oil now represent the presence of the Holy Spirit in a powerful way. We say, Spirit of the living God, we just say, be released now through Nicola's body sickness we take authority over you in the name of Jesus we command sickness infirmity to be broken over your body in Jesus name thank you thank you we say let this oil now represent powerfully the presence of the Holy Spirit 
we release the healing presence and power of the Holy Spirit into your body right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We take authority over sickness. Take authority over infirmity in the name of Jesus. Amen. just say let this oil powerfully represent the presence of the Holy Spirit right now we release the healing presence of the Holy Spirit to your body in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus take authority over all sickness and infirmity in Jesus name and drive it out go in the name of Jesus go in the name of Jesus go in the name of Jesus We just say, let this oil powerfully represent the presence of the Holy Spirit in Ben's body right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we take authority over every infirmity and sickness. Say, let it be gone. In Jesus' name, I drive it out. In the name of Jesus, Spirit of God, Spirit of God, Spirit of God, flow through his body and touch him where he needs to be touched right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We just say, let this oil powerfully powerfully represent the presence of the Holy Spirit. Let there be a powerful release of the, of the Holy Spirit into Lucy's body. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We anoint you. I anoint you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I anoint you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let healing come. Amen. Let's go, man. Let's go, man. Let's go. Come on. In Jesus' name. I anoint you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I anoint you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I anoint you with this oil in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let it represent the power of the Holy Spirit. I break, I break spirit of infirmity over you and over your household in Jesus' name. I break spirit of infirmity over you and over your household in Jesus' name. As I'm standing here now, I take authority even of the spirit of infirmity over the flat. I break it in Jesus' name. I break it in Jesus' name. I break it in Jesus' name. And I say, let the power of the Holy Spirit flow all through your body, through your knee. Right now, restoration and total healing in Jesus' name. In Jesus, let the scan tomorrow be completely unnecessary. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hello, dear. I anoint you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I anoint you now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I say let the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit be released all through your body. All through your body. Take authority over sickness and infirmity in the name of Jesus Christ. I take authority over sickness and infirmity. That is, have a, had a hold over you and exercising some government over your life. In Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I anoint you. I say, let the healing power of Jesus Christ flow through your body. Amen. I know what you want. I anoint you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I anoint you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I anoint you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We say, Lord, break out in healing. Break out with healing now. Break out with healing now. In Jesus' name. Take authority over all infirmity. In Jesus' name. Release your healing power, Lord. Release your healing power. I anoint you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I anoint you right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let healing power flow through your body. We pray the healing power of Jesus, the risen Lord Jesus Christ, would flow through your body and bring healing to every part right now. In Jesus' name. 
in Jesus' name, take authority over infirmity and sickness that plagues you. In Jesus' name, we say that the healing come. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I anoint you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I anoint you with this oil. Let it powerfully represent the Holy Spirit all through your body right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we take authority over your condition. In Jesus' name, we take authority over this condition. So let healing come. 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 Let healing come, I pray. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I anoint you with this oil. So that it represent the power of the Holy Spirit through your body and your mind. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, you take authority over every bit of darkness that would be wanting to exercise government over you so you belong to Christ, bought with the price, the price of his blood. I pray that healing be released in your body and mind. In Jesus' name. Amen. Are you coping with this? I don't know. Is it you up as well? Sorry, I'm being cheeky. <laughs> we anoint you with this oil in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I anoint you in the name of the Lord. We stand on the promise now. We stand on this promise that as we do, as we do this and pray the prayer of faith, that the human who is sick will be raised up. We say that you'll be raised up to the glory of God. You'll be raised up to the glory of God. You take authority over all infirmity and sickness in your body and your mind in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I anoint you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I anoint you. I anoint you. I said, let this oil represent the power of the Holy Spirit all through your body right now. In Jesus' name. 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 We say, let healing be released. Let healing be released all through Robert's body. Thank you, Jesus. Let there be a release of healing. A release of healing. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your promise. Amen. I'm going to debut with this. Okay, then the guy's going to pray for you. Okay. I anoint you with this oil in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we say, Lord, we just pray now that this oil would powerfully represent the presence of the Holy Spirit and to this body and mind. We just say, come now, Lord. Spirit of God, rest on her. Spirit of God, rest on her. Let her know the nearness of the presence of God. All over we pray, oh God. Make yourself known in a remarkable way into our heart, mind, body today. Thank you, Lord. Take authority over all infirmity and sickness that should not be there. In the name of Jesus, we drive it out. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We anoint you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ with this oil. We anoint you now. We pray the prayer of faith and we say, Lord, he will be raised up, he will recover in Jesus' name. We just stand on the word. We just stand on the word. We just stand on the word. We say, Lord, the, the naked truth is enough for us. We thank you, Lord. The scripture is God breathed. Hallelujah. 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 We speak to every infirmity and sickness now and command you, drive you out in Jesus' name. We drive you out in Jesus' name. We say, let Jesus Christ, let Jesus Christ be established as Lord. Let Jesus Christ come as the healer. We pray now. All through your body and mind, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. I anoint you with this oil in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let this oil powerfully represent the presence of the Holy Spirit in your body. Powerfully represent the presence of the Holy Spirit in your body. We speak to all sickness and infirmity. We drive you out in Jesus' name. 
I drive you out in the name of Jesus Christ. I say, let the healing power of God be released all through Luke's body right now. All through his body. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Work a miracle. Work a miracle. Work a miracle, we pray. Work a miracle, we pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I anoint you with this oil in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let the power, let this oil powerfully represent the Holy Spirit in your body right now. Right now, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I take authority over every infirmity and sickness, body and mind. In Jesus' name, I drive you out. Drive you out in Jesus' name. So let the healing that Jesus Christ and the restoration that he brings be re-established in every part of your body and mind in the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Come Lord, we pray. Come Lord, we pray. Come Lord, we pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's fun, isn't it? Yeah, I'm mine. All right, thanks. Can you hear me? Yeah. Um, my little brother, he's, he's got like a really bad set in it. Yeah. Can I get him? We can pray from at the end, I'll pray from at the end, definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah, it's cool. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Lead us. Lead us to our Lead us to our prayer. Yeah. Um, I can get you some if you want. <laughs> I don't know where you got to. Oh, I've got to 
Different, a different um, way of thinking about getting oil on your hands. Yeah. <laughs> Not very miraculous, really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, what? Okay. This one's not working. Okay, why don't we, um, if you're still praying, that's fine, but I know for some conditions you can't tell straight away. I'm aware of that. But for some conditions, you can. So if you are able to test your condition, then you need to test it straight away. Um, and then if, if your condition's been healed, then we'd love to hear about it. So, um, yeah, I mean, just kind of open it up to, for people to tell us if there's, been, if there's been a healing. So, obviously, if you've got the kind of condition where you can't tell straight away, then we just want to know in the coming weeks, okay? So, I'm aware of that. But if you had a condition that you could tell straight away whether it's been healed or not, and you've tested it and it's been healed, then we'd love to, we'd love to hear. So, does that apply to anyone here? Hello. Hi. Yeah? So the Bible says, don't despise a day of small things. And the Bible says, if you're faithful with the small, then God will give you more and more. So I just think that we need to, just, we just need to be encouraged by that. And any, anything else? just want to give opportunity. Okay, who here got prayed for for conditions that they couldn't actually tell straight away whether they'd been healed or not? So you wouldn't, you wouldn't know. Just one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, so quite a few. Eight. Okay, listen, please, please do let us know if the Lord has performed a, a, a miraculous healing. I'll tell you why. Because it's so encouraging, isn't it? It's just so encouraging to see what Jesus does. Um, and, and, and the break, the break, the breakout of his kingdom. Because that's what it is, really. It's part, the kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness, peace, joy, and power. And so every time someone gets healed of something, or delivered of something, or, then it's just the kingdom coming. It's not, you mustn't think of it in terms of a geographical thing, the kingdom. It's not like that. It's when, it's when the rule of Jesus comes in, and he brings what he brings. Healing, deliverance, freedom, new life, yeah? So please do let us know. And we can send emails out, just so everyone gets encouraged. And we can know. Listen, it's probably it's about 20 past 12, so we haven't got long left. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the bread and the wine. Now, I want to just, the reason we do this is because Jesus said, when you meet, do this in remembrance of me. And he broke the bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. And he poured out the wine and he said, this is my blood shed for you. And so when we come and take the bread and the wine, it's something that we're doing as an act of faith for those of us who are following the Lord Jesus. If... If you're, if you're not a believer, or you're just not sure where you're at, then we just say, just don't come and take it. Because there's, there's no power in and of itself. It's not like a charm, or like a, uh, I don't know, a superstitious thing. It's an act of faith. So if you love the Lord, then we would be really happy for you to come and take the bread, and take the wine. And we'll just do that over these next couple of songs we're going to sing. Um, as, and we'll, 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 we'll wrap things up in about 10 or 15 minutes. And we'll do an offering as well, because it's always good to do an offering. Lord, we love you. What's your name? Sorry. 
We thank you for Chingy's healing, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, for, Lord, we say we want to aggressively go after every little thing you're doing. Every li- and we want to celebrate, Lord, we want to celebrate like you just raised us from the dead. Lord, we thank you, say, Lord, we are hungry and thirsty for your kingdom. We say, Lord God, we are not going to allow our current experience to dictate our theology, but we're going to allow the Bible to dictate our theology. And we say, Lord, as a church, I pray, increase our hunger, increase our desire, increase our childlike faith, Lord God, and let us corporately, as a family, go out on a limb together, learn together, and see amazing things happen to your glory. To your glory, Lord God. We pray that whatever you do, Lord God, we pray that in the hearts of men and women, they would love you more. Amen. Let's stand and sing, shall we? Perfect and blameless life given us. See him there, all in the name of love, broken yet glorious, all for the sake of love. Such love is this 
Holy Spirit wants me to just for a moment explain why Christians make such a big deal about the cross and it's, it's this the Bible teaches that when Jesus hung on the cross he bore 